Mr. K24 Radio, oh yeah. Hey, 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 holy moly, okie dokie, what's going on? Whatever. <laughs> it's a beautiful Wednesday morning right here in Benicity, Edo State, South, South Nigeria, and of course, somewhere in West Africa. It's great to have you stop by to check out this podcast on Mr. K24 Radio. So what's my name? My name is Mr. K, but folks call me the Cool K. It is always a delight to have you stop by and listen to my podcast. I appreciate that. Matter of fact, um, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that. So let me just say, I appreciate that beyond words. Because without you, there would be no reason to have a podcast. You know, I wouldn't be making podcasts if there wasn't you to listen to it. So you all that matters to me when I make these podcasts. Thanks a lot for keeping faith with Mr. K24 Radio and checking out um, our podcast on a regular basis. We try to put one through every single day just to get the relationship between you and I going along the way. Superb Wednesday morning. I know it's going to be a wonderful day. And I also know that you and I are going to be glad in it We'll be glad that we are here, permitted by the Almighty, to do some more experiencing. (laughs) Life is all about experiencing, trust me. You know, I I, I won't lie to you on that, because that's pretty much what life is. It's all about experiencing. Now, I'm not sermonizing here, so let me quickly just get back to the base. The the, the base is um, I, yours truly, me, myself, and I, Mr. K., Folks call me the cool K, putting together for you a couple of stories, you know, delivering them to you in a chit chat way. So that's pretty much what's on offer right here on Mr. K24 Radio. Thanks a lot for stopping by. I appreciate that a whole lot. And um, if you ask me, there is nothing I can give to you apart from the podcast that I'm making because if you were in there, I wouldn't be making no podcast. So that's pretty much how that pans out. All right, so let's get straight into it. Let's rock and roll. I'm going to start with a story that is pretty much one of the big stories in a political scenario in Nigeria at the moment, especially the, the south-south geopolitical zone of the country where Edo State is located. It's about a setting governor who just got you know, through to run a second term in office after conducting, you know, one election in 2016, uh, the dude won that election and subsequently he was sworn in as the governor and people thought he did a great job in the first year, first tenure of office. So he figured he could go for a second one, which is totally, you know, legal. I mean, it's, it's legal. It is possible to get a second tenure, but pretty much that's, that's just all you get, really. Um, I haven't seen situations in this country where we had um, someone running for three terms consecutively. It doesn't happen. It's not in our law. But this gentleman, what makes his, um, you know, governorship election, the second one, which was done in 2020, September 19, what made it quite interesting is the fact that um, he swapped political parties. 
He actually ran the contest against the same guy he ran with in 2016. But back in 2020, they swapped places, you know, I mean, they swapped parties and they ran for the election again. And of course, this gentleman, Gordon Novaseki, won the second time. Now, there are a whole bunch of issues, you know, surrounding the state of um, his academic qualifications. Forgery was alleged and so on and so forth. The case is pretty much ongoing. Events are unfolding. The defense is making its case now. And of course, I'd like to tell you that um, the University of Ibadan, which is uh, pretty much the university he got his first degree from, is already speaking about the authenticity or otherwise of the certificates that have been alleged to have been forged by the major opposing party in a state, which is the All Progressives Congress, APC. Now, University of Ibadan clears a basket of degree certificate forgery. Authorities of the University of Ibadan Tuesday cleared Governor Gordon Abasaki of those State of alleged forgery of degree certificate brought against him by the All Progressives Congress APC and one of his chieftains, the degree certificate was confirmed to have been issued a Basaki by the University of Ibadan in 1979 after his formal graduation. The Deputy Chief Registrar Legal of the University, Mr. Bayamis Samuel Ajayi, the second defense witness who testified on subpoena to the Federal High Court in Abuja that the governor graduated from the university. It overlaid in evidence by Obasaki's counsel Ken Mosier's son. The witness adopted his witness statement on oath deposed on December 31, 2020, in defense of the first defendant Obasaki relevant pages of the University of Ibadan calendar for 1976, admission for degrees, the award of diplomas and certificates, and Obasaki's application for collection of his certificate from the university we attended by the witness and admitted as exhibits by the court. The witness maintains that from the records of the University of Basaki was admitted as a student in 1976 through the direct entry. And of course that he graduated in the year 1979 during the tenure of Professor Takena Tamna as Vice Chancellor and SJ Okudu as Registrar under cross-examination Chief Archaeologian San Counsel to the APC, the witness insisted that the fact that some parts of the photocopy of the certificate were cut off by the photocopying machine because of the largeness of the certificate uh, did not invalidate the originality and the genuineness of the original certificate issued for Basaki. The witness said, I will not regard the photocopy of the original certificate as forged but incomplete photocopy because the certificate of the University of Ibadan is larger than the paper upon which the photocopy was made. The deputy registrar claims to have joined the university in 1995, further told the court that the university was issuing using an A5 paper for certificate production at the time, adding that the Minister of State for Education had referred the disputed photocopy of Obasaki's certificate to the university authorities and that the institution in response confirms the certificate to be original. Now, how about that? Now, that sounds pretty interesting the way it is panning out. 
but it's look it's looking looking quite like it's going to be um, quite um, uh, you know an interesting outcome to this particular you know legal tussle involving the authenticity or genuineness of his certificates or the lack of it pretty much so you know from someone looking at the situation from where I'm standing I have a feeling it is going well for Godwin Basaki as we speak if the University of Ibadan confirms that they actually gave him an admission for a degree program for a first degree program and also confirmed that they issued a certificate a degree certificate to him on completion of the course now that begins to make the whole exercise like a wasted adventure if you ask me i mean there was no reason to go this way but you know what the law is always there and people have the right to approach the law and seek answers to some questions that they think have been overlooked or being glossed over and so on and so forth but however you know right now is still going well you know because the the state of the photocopy uh, like the defense witness said cannot invalidate the original copy of the certificate that also makes a lot of sense to me and of course if you are very keen about the law as um, some of us are as i am i am finding this quite funny and i'm enjoying every bit of it all right it is mr k24 radio right here chit chat news update bringing you news making stories uh, in a chit chat format now the federal government did not increase electricity tariffs only adjusted bans so says Kiyamo, the Minister of State for Labor and Employment, Festus Kiyamo, says the federal government didn't increase electricity tariffs, but adjusted some bans for users to pay what they are supposed to pay. He said the Nigerian Electricity Regulatory Commission, also known as NEC, did not consult him or other members of the committee working on the new electricity tariffs regime before the announcement on Tuesday, which scared everyone. Now, the Punch newspaper monitored this story, had earlier reported that the regulator again increased electricity tariffs payable by power consumers across the country. Providing reasons for the latest tariff hike, the commissioner said it considered the 14.9% inflation rate rise in November 2020 and foreign exchange of 379 naira.4 to a dollar of December 29, 2020. When asked whether the electricity distribution companies have the approval of the government to increase tariffs following the NEC directive, Kiyamu said, I am the chairman of the subcommittee consisting of the federal government side and the labor side has been mandated to go around the country to interact with con- and consult with stakeholders and the discos to find an acceptable and cost-reflective tariff that should be paid by Nigerians. We are still in the process of carrying out our assignment. We have not finished it. There has been no increase in tariff. What we agreed to do was to freeze certain bands. You know, we, we have a band A, B, C, and D, and so on and so forth. So in the interim, what we did was to adjust certain bands and to ensure that certain persons who are supposed to be on some bands are not wrongly put on some other bands 
what has just been done is adjusting uh, the certain bands, but there has not been any increase in tariffs. The minister added, we immediately called for a meeting on this issue and what NAIC has released does not reflect what we agreed upon at the level of committee. I can say was not consulted and members of the committee also said that we are not consulted. There we go again. It is always drama in this country. Let's get straight on to another story. Now, the police in Nigeria's Lagos state have raided several nightclubs arresting 71 people for allegedly violating COVID-19 safety protocols. The police said the raids happened in the Lekki and Surulera areas of Lagos City and the suspects will be prosecuted for allegedly violating guidelines put in place in an attempt to reduce the spread of COVID-19. Lagos State Police spokesperson Olumuiwa Dejabe told the BBC that the club goers had allegedly violated a ban on large gatherings and the reopening of clubs and had broken the midnight 4 a.m. curfew in the state. Now, the authorities say they will intensify such raids to ensure total compliance with COVID-19 protocols. The arrest comes as Nigeria continues to record a surge in coronavirus infections amid fears of a second wave of the pandemic. On Monday, Nigeria's Center for Disease Control announced 1,204 new infections of the country's highest confirmed daily cases so far. Nigeria has recorded 91,351 with 75,699 recoveries, 1,318 deaths from the virus. Lagos State is the country's epicenter of the disease. Now, speaking about um, epicenters of the disease, now there's a, there's, a, there's a question that rings out really loud to me. Now, why are we actually sure of the statistics that are coming through, whether they are being put together by ND, uh, you know, National Council for the D- Disease Control, NCDC, or they're coming from whatever source? The big question to ask is, are we actually going through with the testing? Are we testing enough people? Have we tested enough people? The truth is, if you make your testing quite pervasive and accessible to everyone, you can bet your last money we'll be talking about millions of infections, you know, millions being infected by the virus in this country already. The more you test, the more people you get, the more the statistics improve or decrease, you know, increase or decrease and so on and so forth. If we are not doing all the tests we should be doing, for crying out loud, we are over 200 million people in this country. So it's kind of like um, chai's play, if you ask me. How many people are we testing per day? Very many, very few. Very many people have not been tested and they aren't interested in being tested and so on and so forth. So what are we talking about here? Can the government please sit back a bit and think about what is going on here and figure out the best way to ensure that more and more people are tested for the coronavirus infection? If we can do that, then we can begin to see that um, the statistics we are getting uh, is, you know, is beginning to have some credibility like it should have been. 
but right now it's just child's play if you ask me all right let's step it up now ghana's president nana kufuadu has insisted they won the just concluded elections fairly this is despite a petition alleging irregularities filed by the supreme court against the results by the opposition in his final state of the nation address ahead of his inauguration for a second term on thursday president kufuadu said it was good for the nation the opposition had restored resorted to legal means to address their concerns he also urged parliament to unite and accommodate each other's views ghana's next parliament which will be sworn in on thursday has no clear majority with both the opposition and the ruling party having 137 mps each with one independent mp as some experts have said it could prove a challenge to mr kufuadu's second term as bills budgets and government contracts will have to be approved in parliament on the economy mr kufuadu said that the coronavirus pandemic had reduced ghana's gdp growth from a promising 6.5 percent to a 1.9 percent this year negatively affecting livelihoods he also urged a bipartisan discussion on how to address the increasing rate of illegal mining which has polluted water bodies in the country opposition mps have criticized the president for failing to acknowledge the violent incidents that led to the loss of lives during the polls and the country's rising public debt which is over 46 billion dollars and that's about 62 billion pounds and if you ask me if that is not massive please tell me what is that's a huge debt burden right there for ghana i mean one of the countries we can say that um, there's been some political stability in the country and they have you know fast becoming a model of democracy in the west african sub-region you would have thought nigeria should be that no hell no we're not we're not we don't have the best democracy you know in in, in west africa we don't we have the biggest population of black people on the planet and all that that's where it ends but in terms of being a china example for people shining example for other countries nigeria is a long way far from that now the Ghanaians. i'm glad you guys are talking about um, you know opposition going to the court and trying to find redress and so on and so forth i'm just gonna keep praying that um, whatever comes out as an outcome of that quest uh, does not result into you know anything violent in terms of confrontation between the ruling party and the opposition the tunisian ambassador to the united nations has called for a security council resolution that would send monitors to support libya's ceasefire Tarek Ladeb, who is this uh, month holds the council presidency, said the Libyan ceasefire agreed in October had momentum but still was fragile. Last week, the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres asked for a monitoring group made up of civilians and retired soldiers from the African Union, European Union, and the Arab League. Under the ceasefire deal, all foreign forces in Libya to leave by 23rd january three months after the agreement was signed the departure would be monitored by international observers which is a good thing i mean if you've got international observers eyeballing things 
you are likely to have some sanity prevailing over that situation. Now, talking about, you know, what is happening to Libya, the ceasefire, I think it is absolutely sacrosanct, you know, for the countries, yes, for other countries to ensure that um, there's some peace and that the peace prevails and continues to prevail in Libya. Look at what has happened. Now, it's been said that many of the of the elements who have found themselves in the Islamic State for West Africa province, also known as ISWAP, which is pretty much like we've been told, like, um, I wouldn't say a hybrid of um, the Boko Haram sect members and, of course, um, the Islamic State. But in terms of operation, it looks like it is actually. Some people even prefer to call ISWAP, you know, Islamic State for West Africa, uh, you know, want to call it for, for West African province. They want to call it kind of like um, another branch or an offshoot of Boko Haram. But whichever way you look at it in terms of semantics, whatever it is called, that's not important. But what's crucial is the level of violence, the bloodletting that they are creating in the sub-Saharan African region at the moment. Many of the elements there, from ISWAP, Gordia, weapons and all, from Libya, the Libyan crisis. You know, record that President Mohamed Buhari also made mention of it, you know, in the podcast we did, uh, you know, yesterday. So pretty much um, uh, a tight situation, if, if, because no one wants Libya to go back to that chaos again, and then you can never tell what's going to be the damages, both collateral and otherwise. I want to say thanks a whole lot to everyone for allowing me, yes, to think out loud on Chit Chat News Update right here on Mr. K24 Radio. It was great having you for company every step of the way. And if I have my way, I'll do it all over again. <laughs> you know, I could do like 12 podcasts in one day. I could, but you know, Let's just take it one step at a time. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you. Once again, my name is Mr. K, but folks call me the cool K. I gotta go. I gotta go. (laughs) I'm out of time. Okay, so I'm out of here. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. Mr. K24 Radio. Oh yeah.